want to talk to you for just a moment from the book of Matthew chapter 2. And I want to speak to you about the power and the reality of the gift. The gift. Our children, are, their eyes are filled with awe and wonder on Christmas Sunday or Christmas morning because they're excited about the gifts. They're excited to rip open those packages. But I want to talk to you about how that there is a gift that is promised that is so pertinent to the story of Christmas that is completely overlooked. And I've never shared this before except in the first service, and it'll take me 15 minutes to do it. And I want to give it to you. Here it is. In the Old Testament, they could not come before the king without a gift. If the king of Israel invited you to come and you came without a gift, it was considered to be an insult. So important was this gift, even though the king was immeasurably wealthy and you could be extremely poor, it was never acceptable for a person to come in the Hebrew culture before the king of the, of the Hebrew people and not bring with them a gift. So important was gift giving in the Hebrew culture that the Hebrew language contains no less than 15 expressions that explain or give ways of giving. One of the most famous scriptures is Proverbs 18 and verse 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. If you want to have an audience with the king or great powerful people, it's your gift under the old covenant. You had to give a gift or you didn't make it. If your gift didn't measure up, the king would not give you access. It was so important. That was true in the nation and in the culture of Israel, but it was also true in the kingdom of God under the Old Testament. Everyone, anytime they approached the tabernacle, was required to bring a gift. In Leviticus chapter 5, it said, if a soul, if a person sinned, that they would bring a lamb as a gift. And if they couldn't afford a lamb, then they could bring a turtle dove. And if they couldn't afford a turtle dove, they could bring fine flour. But no one was to appear empty-handed before the God of the Old Testament, Jehovah. If you wanted to interact with him, you had to bring a gift for him. Some gifts were given voluntarily, but there were also involuntarily expected gifts from God. No gift, no access under the old covenant. It was a high insult to not bring a gift to God. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the gift of the Father. It's amazing that I can choose not to receive a gift. There's, there's three choices really you have if someone offers you a gift. Number one, you can, you can receive it and enjoy it. Or number two, you can take it and throw it in the trash when they walk away. Or number three, and I just learned about this one in preparing this message, there's something called regifting. I'd never heard of it in my life. I was not aware. There are entire websites, can you believe it, on regifting. It's when someone gives you a gift that you don't like, 
and you turn around, and when they leave, you package it back up, and you give it to somebody that you don't like much either. And that's called re-gifting. It's a real thing, a website on this. I read from it because I was considering it. I get a lot of gifts, and I, I'm, I'm, let's keep moving. When they, here's what they said. Here's rules for re-gifting. When you're going to, to re-gift a gift, don't use the wrapping paper that you tore open. The scotch tape is a dead giveaway that you are reusing or re-gifting that gift. Be careful that you don't re-gift the gift to the same person who gave it to you. That's very important. And Sharice and I are always very careful when we re-gift. I'm kidding. The difference that I want you to understand and I'm preaching about tonight is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift. He really is. And he's available to us tonight. A gift under the New Testament, something miraculous happened. Under the Old Covenant, it was men giving gifts to God. Men giving gifts to God. But something powerful happens as you move. And, you know, when they would bring the gift, they would almost hold their breath. And they would hope, I hope it's acceptable. I hope it's good enough. I hope the lamb is good enough. I hope the, the turtle dove is clean enough. I, I hope, I hope. And it was, it was, it was a, always not quite measuring up. Always wondering, will I, through what I'm doing, measure up to this holy, powerful God? But in the New Testament, something shocking and surprising happened that first Christmas. Instead of gifts being given by men going upward, the gift of, that God gave came downward to men. It's God in the New Testament that gives us the gifts, not us that gives him the gifts. That's the amazing thing. The gift giving is in a whole new way under the new covenant. The first time in human history, God gave a gift was in Bethlehem. Psalm 68 and verse 18 in the old covenant says this, thou hast ascended on high. See, he didn't even know what he was talking about, but he saw a vision and he said, there's a God. His name is Jehovah. And I see him ascending on high, and thou hast led captivity captive, and thou hast, listened to the words, received gifts for, from men. For men and from men. That's what that means. From men. You receive the gifts, this God, under the old covenant. Then it goes on to say, blessed be the Lord God, who daily loads us down with benefits even the God of our salvation under the old covenant, you brought a gift and if God accepted it, he loaded you down with benefits daily. But then in Ephesians chapter four, under the new covenant, the new Testament, the apostle Paul says something profound and he quotes from that old Testament verse. And here's what he says. He says, but unto every one of you, he has given grace According to the measure of the gift of Christ. Watch this. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. He said, he said under the Old Testament, 
the Jehovah God received gifts. That's the only way that you could get access. But under the new covenant, the very same verse, Paul changed it. And he said, he gave gifts unto men. He who ascended, who is that? Jesus, when he went down into the grave and into hell, has now ascended. He descended. Now he has ascended. And he who ascended from the grave. Well, I want to ask you a question. Who ascended from the grave? Who came up out of the grave? The Old Testament Jehovah is the New Testament Jesus Christ. That is who was born into human form in Bethlehem. It was the same God Jehovah in the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Covenant. Let me tell you why I know Jesus was God. Because in Ezekiel chapter 37 in verse 13, this is what God said. He said, you shall know that I am the Lord. Here's what you look for. If you're looking for God to show up on planet earth, when I open your graves, oh my people, and I bring people out of the graves, the people that are in the grave. Well, I want to ask you a question. Who opened the graves? There's one who said, Lazarus, come forth. There's one who raised the dead over and over and over in the New Testament. His name was Jesus. And then in Job chapter 9, in verse 8, he said, who alone? Job saw a vision and he saw God. And he said, I see one God who's the creator. And he's, he's spreading out the heavens. Listen, and God alone treads upon the waves of the sea. Job didn't know what he was seeing, but before, the oldest book of the Bible. But he saw a vision of a God walking on the water. And I ask you again, who walked on the water in the New Testament? Who came in the middle of a storm when the disciples were going under and said, peace be still, and the winds and the waves obeyed his will, and he walked on the water back to the boat. His name is Jesus. And then 600 years before Bethlehem, in Isaiah 35, in verse 4, he says, say to them that are of fearful heart, be strong, God will come. He's coming. God's coming. He's coming in vengeance, and he will come and save you. And then he makes this, and you will know that he has come then, that word then means this is how you'll know, when you start seeing the eyes, the, the blinded eyes begin to be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame will leap, next verse, the lame will leap as a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing. When you start seeing blind people's eyes open, well, who in the New Testament opened blind eyes? Blind Bartimaeus said, I couldn't see, but now I can see. What? Who did that? Jesus did it. Who caused the lame to leap like a deer? Who caused the deaf ear to hear? Who caused the man who could not speak all of his life. The Bible said Jesus loosed the string off of his tongue and he spoke plainly and glorified God. Who did that? His name is Jesus and we ought to realize he is the gift. Give him a mighty praise right now if you love him. You can do better than that on Christmas Eve. Thank him for the gift. Sometimes we, we make like the whole New Testament is about you giving your life and giving your past and giving your present and giving your future to Jesus. I'm sorry to tell you that the whole gospel is not about you. It's not about what you give God. 
That's important. Give him your life. But, but boy, you won't have problems giving him your life if you ever realize it. God is the giver, not you. He will load you down if you will just honor him and love him and serve him. I'm trying to be good, but I feel like we take for granted the most ultimate gift. His name is Jesus. And it's not common. It's a spectacular, unspeakable, unbelievable, unimaginable gift that we have been given in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to finish with this, and I want you to lean in. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, it talks about gifts. And it says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, Question, how many of you intend on making sure your children have some gifts in the morning when they wake up on Christmas morning? Raise your hand and, and say, it's me right now. And let me see your hand. The rest of you are not telling the truth. If you have children, you want them to have gifts. And that's why I said, if you being evil, it's not a put down. He's saying compared to God, compared to God, none of us measure up. But he said, if you, in a, in a flawed state compared to God, have a heart to really want to give gifts to your children and grandchildren, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? He didn't say he'll give you forgiveness. Why didn't he say mercy? Why didn't he say grace? He understood that when I give you the Holy Spirit, I give you me. The real purpose of, of Christmas was not just a baby born in Bethlehem. That was one time he came and it was beautiful and we celebrate it. But the real message of Christmas is he's not Emmanuel until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and he lives with you continually, countless times today, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. Countless times today, the Holy Spirit has watched over you. Countless times today, the Holy Spirit has noticed you, your attitude, everything about you. He's with us. We cannot, David said, if I go to hell, the Spirit is there. I can't get away from it. When I'm good, when I'm bad, when I'm naughty, it's not like Santa Claus. He won't leave me alone. He loves me. He comforts me. He lifts me. He encourages me. And I couldn't have made it through 2021 without the precious Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, somebody. No, I mean really praise him. I don't care if you brought your best friend. Praise him. Praise him. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. Woo. Hallelujah. The full push of the New Testament is that God gives you himself through the Holy Spirit. John 4 and verse, in John chapter 4, the woman at the well came to him and he said, if you only knew the gift of God. And Jesus answered to her, notice those words, if, the, if you just knew the gift of God, you would say to me, because this woman had been married five times and she was still empty. This woman was living with somebody and shacking up with him and she was still empty. She had done everything. She'd gone to every party and, and she was talking about 
to Jesus how that she was thirsty. And he said, if you knew the gift of God, you would say to me, give me drink. And I would give you living water. I love that statement. If you only knew the gift of God, that's what I want to say to America and to the world and to the brokenness and to the pain and to the addiction and to the grief and to the sorrow and to the broken homes and families. If you only knew the gift of God this Christmas, oh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 and verse 38 is the first altar call of the church. The first one, Acts 2, 38, repent every one of you and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 8 and verse 20, 10 years later, the city of Samaria was controlled by Simon the sorcerer. He cast spells. He worked the demonic world worked through him. He was demon possessed. He was a fortune teller. He dabbled and played with spirits and was very powerful. You ought to read Acts chapter 8 when you get home. It's an amazing, they go through a half of a chapter describing how powerful this sorcerer held a whole city, a whole city under his power. And the scripture said that Peter and John went to that city after, re, after revival broke out. Stephen preached and revival broke out. And then Peter and John came and laid hands on the people and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to pray. And, and, and the Bible said Simon the sorcerer, when he saw the reaction of the people when they were receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, tried to bribe them and say, I want to give you, buy this gift. And Peter said to them, your money perished with you because you thought, listen to the wording, the gift of God, what was that? The Holy Spirit baptism. The gift of God could be purchased by money. Your money go away. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't give and get this one. This is the gift of God. In Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles were not a part of any of that. We were yet to be included. And something powerful happened. The Bible said that when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the household of a man named Cornelius, that they were astonished, meaning the Jews, they were astonished. Because on the Gentiles also was poured out, look, look, look at the words, the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to ask all of you people in this room, how many of you have ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of the Spirit praying through you and you're not ashamed of that, speaking through you in a heavenly? Can you give the Lord a praise for the gift of the Holy Ghost? Come on. Welcome the Holy Ghost here this night, Christmas Eve. Pastor, that's not politically correct to preach that on a New Year's. No, that is the whole reason he came. And you know, a gift can be there and you can't ignore it, but it's there. It's there. The gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out on the Gentiles. And in Acts 11 and verse 17, I love it. Paul gets called in before the religious committee. And they said, I can see them with their big long 
noses, glasses on the tip of their noses. Now, how did the Gentiles, how can they receive what we received in the upper room? And this is what Peter said to him. He said, well, all I can tell you is God gave them the like gift. That's like God gave them the gift just like he gave us. He did for us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and who am I that I can withstand God? All I can tell you is the same gift of the Holy Spirit that came on us came on those Gentiles in that living room of that man's house. And I'm telling you, I, and, and you know, you know, even Peter didn't want to go there. He didn't want to go. And God said, what I call clean, don't you call unclean. And when I call a brother, don't you say that's not my brother. Get over there and go. And when he went, the Holy Spirit fell. And he said, all I can tell you is God said, I like those Gentiles. And whether you know it or not, you're a Gentile. And you weren't in on the gift until that very moment. So thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. I'm almost done. Now I want to close with this thought. There are three times in the New Testament where the apostles used the word unspeakable. Unspeakable. The first time is when Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 is called up into heaven and he was taken on a tour of heaven. And the things that he saw and particularly he said, the words that I heard were unspeakable words that I cannot repeat. It was so overwhelming. The sounds and the words that I heard, I don't know who he bumped into. I don't know if he bumped into Abraham, Isaac, I, Jesus. I don't know who he bumped into, but whoever he bumped into, he said, the words that I heard when I was in the third heaven were unspeakable. And then the apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, when I saw the resurrected Savior, now even you who love him, though now you see him not yet believing, I saw him and one day you're going to see him if you read the lead up to that. And he says, you will when you see him rejoice with joy unspeakable. Well, we don't have much joy down here. It just feels like these, are, these have been some hard. This has been a rough year. But one of these days, we're going to see him and we're going to rejoice with joy ahead of us. I hear the Lord saying next year is going to be better. <laughs> Well, hallelujah, and it's going to be joy. Everybody say unspeakable. Shout it out loud. Joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. Clap your hands in expectation. Clap your hands in faith. Clap your hands saying, and I'm believing for unspeakable joy. Mm. Can't even put it. The word unspeakable means unimaginable, unexplainable. Cannot un, undefinable, unspeakable. And there's one more time it's found. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. The Apostle Paul, 
when he thought about the gift that you and I have been given through Jesus Christ. But listen, folks, Jesus was one man. The baby was one baby born in Bethlehem, grew up, became a man at 33, carried across to Golgotha, took my sin, my sickness, your sin, your shame, nailed it to the cross, died a brutal death, rose three days later, and then 40 days later went up on a cloudy elevator and sits in the seat of authority and all powers given unto his name. But listen, he said, it's expedient that I go away. For if I don't leave you, the story really is not just a story of Bethlehem, the cradle, and Calvary, the cross. But I'll send the Holy Spirit. I'll send the gift. And this is what Paul said about that gift in 2 Corinthians. Everybody read this out loud and say it from your heart. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Does that go off inside of you? That I have an unspeakable gift this Christmas. And I can't even put into words. When I feel like giving up, he won't let me give up. And when I feel discouraged, he'll let me wallow there for a minute. But it's not long before I feel him nudging me saying, I'm not through. Better days are coming. Hold on. I'm the God of breakthrough. And I want you right now one more time to shout, thanks be unto God. No, we don't come out here to fold our arms and burn a candle. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. What is his name? Jesus Christ. And would you welcome that unspeakable gift called the Holy Spirit into your heart, into your life? Because if you don't have that, you know, over here at this hospital, there's a whole wing. I forget the guy's name. Green, Ronnie Green. And I don't know the story. I wish I had time to hear the whole story, but he must have given millions because he left a gift and it provided a whole wing for heart, uh, major heart issues. And I saw one sign where that hospital has some of the best in the world. They, they have moved here. And if you have... You know, that gift is over there. And some of you, you've never heard this before. You know why? Because you've never had a heart issue. <laughs> but boy, when you, if you're the one that needs the transplant, if you're the one that needs the, the stent, if you're the one that needs open heart surgery or your baby is, that gift that that man made possible through his gift of life, suddenly when you need it, it makes you appreciate it and you say, thanks be unto God for the unspeakable gift. And that's kind of where a lot of people are in our day and our time. You never needed him like you needed. You can't fix the stuff you're dealing with. You don't have a future without the Holy Spirit. The only way that he is in you, Emmanuel, is if you receive Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit coming into your life. Tonight, you may have never recognized it, but there is one who is here called the Holy Spirit. 
He's Jesus' spirit. And when you accept Jesus, you receive his Holy Spirit. And he says, I'll never let you go. I'll never leave you alone. I am Emmanuel, God with you. And I want to rule your life. And I want to lead you and guide you and daily load you down with my benefits. If you'll put me first. Stand to your feet all over this room. And with tremendous grateful hearts, would you raise your hands toward heaven and with the lifting of the arms, would you just begin to give thanks to God for his unspeakable, I love that, unspeakable gift. Can't even put into words how precious, how mighty, how full this gift is. Name Jesus. It was so dark without him. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Together, silent night, silent night, holy
Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you for light. Thank you for love. Thank you for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for comfort. Thank you for peace. Bless every family. Bless every home. And Lord, those that are searching, those that are backslid, those that are bound, those who need help, may they find the unspeakable gift that Paul spoke of. May they cry out until heaven comes down and an unspeakable gift that they never get over takes control of their life. Tonight, Lord, let us all stand in wonder and awe at the unspeakable gift that you gave us through Jesus and his Holy Spirit that is not in heaven, but right here in this room, able to heal and deliver and give the next step and direction and open doors and load us down with benefits of the new covenant and the cross. We praise you for it. Everybody pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent. I receive the gift that is unspeakable, indescribable, unexplainable. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm forgiven. I'm clean. I believe. I believe in you, Jesus. I've never seen you, but I believe in you. And I'm willing to give my life to you. Take my mind. Take my body, take my spirit, and I want to live for you because you are my unspeakable gift, Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen. And I want you to receive this blessing tonight in closing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance upon you. And may he give you peace. And may he give you blessings this new year coming up in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin. And thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.